This is the 19th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Striking Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, X Zone Lures, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, Spro, Gamakatsu, Big Bite Baits, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we're going to talk about bass fishing. Hope everybody had a uh, safe and happy Halloween. I was just telling our guest today that I turned off all the porch lights and made the house look as as uh, unfriendly as possible once I realized that I had zero candy, not a single piece of candy in the house. And then I was like, don't they don't the kids get upset these days? Anyway, no trick or treaters in my neck of the woods in uh, Shawnee, Oklahoma. Uh, big shout out to today's guest. Actually, uh, I, I have been wanting to get bread on for the last couple of weeks following the updates and we'll talk about what happened at the u.s open but originally had uh james niggemeyer scheduled for today he's on a guide trip today we'll get him on uh next week to kind of talk about his plans moving forward interesting show with taylor watkins yesterday about kind of being stuck in no man's land there uh wanting to fish those upper levels not being able to make a living at it in the opens he's actually going back to the npfl uh but he also has three npfl w's uh under his belt so that's where he'll be in 2024 but let's bring in today's guest he got up i think he's i, I don't i don't know if we'll bring bread in are you mountain or pacific time so is it 6 30 or 7 30 there it's uh it's six thirty. When when uh when you guys change, then we'll go to mountain. I don't think we change anymore. Are we not changing? No, we're done with that. I think daylight savings time's over. Well, that I heard that, but then I haven't really heard exactly, you know, like a bunch of confirmations on that. But yeah, Let me so see we're, right we're, here. we're 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 Pacific then. See, Arizona was a state that never changed. So when it would change, it kind of, we would always stay the same. The U.S. is not planning to remain on daylight savings time year round. Well, that, that'd be nice. Makes it a whole lot easier. Here, will it be per Senate passes a bill to make daylight savings time permanent in 2023. I, yeah, I don't think we had it because it gets light early and dark, but then it stays. I don't know. Yeah, I mean it. You still have the same amount of daylight hours, you know. I mean, it. It might be next year. I don't know. I need to probably figure that out since we do a show at uh, eight thirty a.m. on whether we're training or not. But thank you for getting up early. You did not do the whole trick or treating thing yesterday. You weren't up late handing out candy to the children. No, no. I just uh, watched Arizona Diamondbacks get smoked last night, but. Uh, you know, today's a different day. Hopefully they'll do a little better, but uh, just kind of hung out, made a big old pot of chili and, um, you know, just watched the game. Did, uh, are you a big baseball fan? Uh, or is I mean, it more I like of a it, obviously when it's your home team, you know, you gotta um, be re rooting for them. And, you know, we've been watching pretty much all the games. So, 
you know, it's been a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool deal to see the underdogs, you know, I mean, they got one of the lowest salaries in the, all of the big leagues and, you know, they're in the World Series, so anybody can do it. All right. Uh, wanted to get you on. Obviously, one of the scariest things that's happened that I can remember in, in recent memory. Now, I know we have, you know, boat accidents and you can think back to things that happen every year. But but every once in a while, it is you are reminded that you are on a 21 foot fiberglass rocket going incredibly fast across the water, not strapped in with no helmet on. And at the U.S. Open uh, on day one. I'd say the main story was you, you had a really scary incident happen. Yeah. Yeah. It was about one o'clock. Um, I was running up the lake to, uh, to go to a spot where, uh, I'd caught like four and a half pound smallmouth, and, uh, there was somebody on that spot. So I said, okay, I'm going to go to my next spot and uh was just running down the middle of the lake i mean the wind was blowing like five miles an hour it was pretty calm you could you were ripping yeah yeah i was ripping full throttle you know i was running like 65s around there and um i mean just going straight and uh something like a millisecond before it hit me i saw something out of out of my peripheral in my right eye like i saw something black and it hit me and it hit me so hard I, I i it really felt like somebody um hit me with a baseball bat um or like you know pendulum a bowling ball right you know right into my right eye socket that my temple area right here and uh it didn't even cross my mind that it was a bird you know i thought it that it hit me so hard. I thought like maybe something flew off the boat, whether, you know, uh, the prop nut off the trolling motor or the gra uh, graph came off. Um, but it, it just didn't make sense because I never saw it coming. And then my co-angler um, was like, man, it was a bird. And then I looked down and there was, you know, guts all over the place, all over the boat. And oh. um, it, it took my sunglasses off. I was holding my hat in this hand in my left hand and I looked down and there was just pools and pools of blood coming out of um I have it I had a huge big gash right in my eyebrow um I got the stitches taken out last Friday but um you know anybody knows like you get a you get a cut in your you know your face your your head it, it has a tendency to bleed pretty bad and um so you know I tried to get I got a towel and got it on on the cut and got tried to get the bleeding to stop and um my co-angler's like we got to go back and i'm like yeah <laughs> no kidding we got to go back man and what what was bad is i uh after i got the bleeding to stop i opened my eye and i couldn't see anything so oh, that had to be terrifying um i <laughs> i drove the boat back one-eyed and uh I told him as soon as we and on Lake Mojave, you don't have real, you don't have good phone service. That's that's a bad thing about that place. Um, so I told him as soon as we get to the no wake buoys at the marina, you know, you call Billy and have them call nine one one. And I, uh, you know, pulled up to the dock and um, they took me up into the the restaurant there, and you know, we got some ice and some a towel on it and. 
You know, of course, two of my buddies were sitting there, Tyrell with Mercury and Happy. They were getting ice cream cones when all this happened. And they literally sat and stared at me with like, I think Happy was like, he was ghost white just staring at me. Because, I mean, you guys know Happy with Powerful. He, yeah. He, he just, he he's such a thoughtful guy. And he was, um, both of them were super, super worried. I mean, it was a scary deal. And Tyrell looks at me and he's like, Hey Brett, um, have you called Courtney? <laughs> I'm like, no, I probably should call her. He's like, yeah. So, long story short, um, paramedics came. Um, they sat me down and you know, <clears throat> obviously looked at the huge gash. I and I had uh, I had a lot of lot of different scrapes right on my forehead, but the big gash over that right um, eyebrow, and uh, they. They had me open, yeah, they had me open my uh, um, eye and I literally, I could barely see their hand like go, I mean, I could just see the shadow of yeah. it like go across my eye and they're like, yeah, we need to get to the hospital and got to Bullhead City Hospital. So a doctor was sitting there waiting for me when I got there. And so what <clears throat> what he told me is, if you have blood like in the white of your eye, that's that's okay. That's you know they see a lot of a lot of trauma or you know where you get a blood vessel broke in the white of your eye. But I had blood in the bottom blue part of my eye, like a quarter of it, and uh, he said uh, that could be a ruptured eye. So, oh, yeah. How long is he, all this after it happened? You said it happened at around one o'clock. How long before I probably you... got? Yeah, I probably got to the hospital about two, two something. Okay, you know? so this is relatively quick. This is way quicker than it would have been had it happened on Mead. Oh yeah, yeah. The okay. yeah, it was probably a probably a twenty minute ride to the hospital. You know, from Catherine's there, and uh, so the doctor tells me he's like, normally we we send people to Vegas. He goes, but I see, you know, you're from Phoenix. You probably want to go, you don't want to go to Vegas. And I'm like, hell no, I don't want to go to Vegas. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, then my whole family's going to have to, you know, drive or fly up there, you know, and a lot of, a lot of stuff. So he's like, okay, well, let me find out. He says, where do you live? I said, I live up in the North Valley, like Cape Creek. So he comes back. He's like, it's Scottsdale Osborne. You got to go to a, a trauma center where they have an ophthalmologist surgeon on call in case they have to do something to your eye. So he, he ordered a transfer and uh, I had to take a four hour ambulance ride um, to Scottsdale Osborne Medical Center, which is a trauma one level um, medical that, center. That's the highest level. It is. Yeah. They see a lot of, <laughs> they see a lot of stuff and, uh, yeah. There's, I, I will be honest with you, they were absolutely amazing. They were sitting there waiting for me. Um, I saw the doctor within like five minutes, and he was the trauma doctor, not necessarily ophthalmologist, but um, he looked at it, and he's like, man, it looks better than what they were saying. Um, obviously, they, those guys in Bullhead City don't see a lot of real severe trauma, um, and since they don't have an ophthalmologist on call, you know, they get kind of freaked out anytime you get an eye injury and just want to get you out of there. Um, so he told me, <clears throat> normally if you have a real bad eye injury, um, your eye almost goes flat. 
um, because you lost all the fluid in your eyes. Like, dude, your eye looks round, you know, it still has that globe look to it. Yeah, it has that blood in there. Ended up doing two CT scans um, to make sure um, the eye wasn't ruptured or and, and that I didn't have a, and a bunch of bleeding behind my eye, which can produce pressure um, in your eye and, and cause some major, major issues. So um, my eye pressure was good, which, which that meant um, I didn't lose a bunch of fluid out of my eye. Um, and then, you know, they're looking for either low eye pressure, then they know that you've lost a bunch of fluid in your eye or a real high um, eye pressure, which means, you know, there's some kind of bleeding and, um, you know, it's producing pressure. pressure. Um, and then they, they had a teleconference with uh, the ophthalmologist surgeon on, on, on call. You know, it's, uh, I, got, I got to Scottsdale Osborne about 9.30 that night. And so, I mean, this was <laughs> getting This has been a long night. day. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the, uh, the ambulance uh, guy, the paramedic um, that took me to, one of them that took me to, yeah. Scott to Osborne, he's like, man, have you gotten any sleep? And I said, man, I got up, <laughs> I got up at three thirty this morning. He's like, it's gonna be a long night. So Were they know. lights going for four hours? No, no, just just go, just drive. Okay. So, um, but yeah, just uh, so I tried to get some sleep, and you know, a lot of things go through your head um, in four hours by yourself, sitting in a pretty much a gurney, strapped in. Um, you know about what what could happen to your eye and you know things that uh you kind of take for granted on uh having your full vision but uh after they did a teleconference with the ophthalmologist they came to the conclusion i didn't have a ruptured eye she wanted to see me in her office the next morning um they stitched me up and uh i got to go home got home about 330 345 that morning um, holy cow and it was funny so i was i told courtney when we're and you know i was like they don't want to give you any water or anything because they don't know if they've got to do surgery and so finally we get in the car and i told courtney i'm like hey i gotta get something to eat i've literally had one piece of string cheese and like <laughs> a, a pack of like uh trail mix and she's like Babe, there's not going to be anything open. Well, luckily we're in downtown Scottsdale. I look over, there's a McDonald's, 24-7 McDonald's. I'm like, pull in there. I'm like, I'd take in anything right now. And I had like two cheeseburgers and a Coke. And it was like, oh, it was like the best meal ever. But uh, yeah, you know, got like seven stitches in my eyebrow. and uh, um, But didn't got, break any bone, cheekbone, eye bone, orbital, nose stuff. Didn't break anything. No, no, it was lucky on that. And they would have see, seen that in the CT scan. Um, yeah, just super sore. Um, next next morning, uh, my eye was pretty much swole shut. Um, and you try to go to the ophthalmologist. They're like, can you open your eye? I'm like, I'm, I'm trying, man. Like, I mean, can you pry it open? Like, but I can you see out of it by the next morning? Like, when, it, when were it, you able to start actually, like, being like, okay, this is, I'm going to be able to see out of the eye again? Because that had to be probably the most scary part of the whole thing. Yeah, so the whole way there, I just kept my eyes shut um, on, the, on the ambulance ride and just try to 
you know, not, not stress the eye out too much. But when I got to Scottsdale Osborne, I had 20, 30 vision out of that eye, which they were like super impressed about that. Um, and yeah, so the next day I could see it was just a little, you know, foggy. There's a bunch yeah. of drainage in your eye, you know, coming out all the cuts and stuff like that. But, uh, um, went to the ophthalmologist, she just, you know, put me on a couple of different drops and she said, it, it's going to be hazy for a while. You got a lot of blood like floating around in there. Um, she said, I don't want you doing anything. Pretty much just kind of put me on house arrest, you know, just hang out and, uh, don't do anything severe, you know, just pretty much boring. <laughs> After the second day, I was like, man, this sucks. Um, but, uh, saw her last week, last Tuesday and, you know, pretty much cleared me to go do whatever I want. She said it, um, you know, it, it's going to get better as it is, you know, that, that blood gets out of your eye and man, for like probably the last four or five days, it's been pretty much back to normal. Every, every once in a while, you know, that eye, the pupil's a little bit more dilated than my other eye, just mm-hmm. because it's trying to repair itself. So, you know, you know, bright lights, stuff like that is, uh, you know, you kind of get a little, little haziness, a little streaky every once in a while, not all the time. So, um, but man, just super fortunate, just, uh, super freak deal and um of course had a lot of people scared including including me i mean i man i like i told uh the doctor there at the trauma one level center i said i you know i've been on top level tour for 23 years and you know drove a boat a long time before that i'd probably driven a bass boat fifty thousand miles in my career and i mean yeah we've run over coots and you know, stuff like that, but just to literally get blindsided, um, and never see him come in there. I had no chance to duck or yeah. anything like that. And, um, it's just, a, it was a scary deal. And uh, so to clarify, this wasn't a deal where you were like, Oh, there's a thousand coots that are all swimming at water level and I'm going to blast through them to get to my next spot. This was a lone ranger that popped up out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah it was, uh, uh, one of those, like, like a brown seagull and, uh, okay. my co-angler, my co-angler said he saw him and he, you know, like, you know how they swoop down to whether they're getting shad or whatever. Yeah. Um, so he swooped down and it was just like, I mean, just an oddball deal. Like he swooped down from, you know, pretty good elevation and just absolutely cold cock cocked me right in the oh. face. So do you know what part of the bird you got? Like, was it the beak or the... I- I body but you said it exploded on your face like there were guts and feathers and all well, that no there was yeah just on the boat you know there was okay gut, you know guts and stuff uh all around you know where i was sitting but i never uh never saw the bird anymore. and you've never had i mean you said you've had close calls before but never in all those years have you had one hit you before yeah you know i've had like a coot hit the you know, the windshield and stuff. And, you know, every once in a while you run through some of those coots and stuff like that, where they hunker down um, a little. Yeah. 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 And and you see them coming, you know, you know, you duck down or, you Mm -hmm. know, put, you know, cover your face, but never anything like this where I'm like, I literally never saw them coming. The weird part is, yeah. I mean, it's a bird, so it's has some bones and cartilage and hard spots, but you thought, uh, I mean, it, 
you thought it was a graph or the nut off of your truck. I mean, that's how hard that impact yeah. was. It. What were you going? Sixty-five miles an hour. Sixty-five. Yeah, and I mean, it. it yeah, I, I, I never thought it was a bird because it hit yeah. me that hard. Like, I mean, seriously, it just felt not like completely he, numb, or was it pain? Yeah, pain. Yeah. Oh, it was pain. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like it, it, it felt like you wound up with a baseball bat and hit me right in the right oh. in the eye socket. So uh, I want to ask about the glasses because so the original there were all sorts of crazy reports going on. The original report that I heard was that it was a brown pelican, like yeah. the size of a, you know, like the size yeah. of a Rottweiler. What are those? Yeah. And that your yeah. glasses exploded and the lens shards went into your eye and you're blind. Like that was the original yeah. thing that I heard. Yeah. Pelican would have taken my head off. That's man. what I thought. But <laughs> yeah, So the, the glasses yeah. did, do you think they saved you? They helped, but there was no glass shards or, or lens or anything that broke and went into the eye. No. no okay. That's no, key no. in this. Yeah, that, that is key. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, that was a kind of a scary deal. I, my glasses, when it hit it, they got ripped off. So I can't really tell you for sure what happened. Um, but, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, you think about that, you know, that that's always a possibility. So, um, yeah, it's just a freak, scary deal, you know, but uh, just glad to be able to see, you know. And and you'll have full vision and everything when it all comes back. Like, I mean, I can't tell a difference right now looking at you, which I mean, I thought it would still be a little. A little mangled. Yeah, no, I mean, I, like on my forehead, I still got a couple little, yeah, little scars up here. Yeah, um, and then right here's where my stitches were. But yeah, uh, a good hockey player look. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, this face wasn't that pretty to begin with, so I mean, it didn't really hurt it too bad. Um, but yeah, no, everything should be good. You know, full recovery, and um, like right now, I'm looking at you guys and I, I mean seems like a normal day yeah uh i thought it was interesting your co-eggler was like i'm weighing these suckers in <laughs> yeah yeah he's like what what should we do i'm like well he goes should we just keep them in the live well like when we pulled up the dock i'm like no just have billy like yeah. just go weigh them in you know and but you had a stuff. big one too didn't you yeah i had a four four and a half somewhere around there yeah um yeah, and then I had to, you know, rub it into a couple of my buddies that I fished for a half a day and still beat them and after three. But, you know, I got to get my shots in every once in a while. So is there anything you're going to do differently from now on? I mean, you got, I mean, what, I'd say you're halfway through your career. You got another half. You gonna you going to do anything different or is it just, just a freak? I mean, you going to go with like industrial strength goggles, a bike helmet, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just kind of a freak deal, you know. It's just one of those things that you you look at, and uh, I mean, it, it stuff can happen when you're, you know, you're driving a, a bass boat at high speeds. Um, you know, anything can happen. Um, you know, we've seen some some not so great boat wrecks in the last five years, and you know, some scary stuff happening, but. You know, you, you can't control the uncontrollables and you can't live life scared like that. Um, you know, you, you just uh, try to make the best decisions and, and keep yourself out of those scenarios. But, mm -hmm. you know, this is one that uh, literally was just a, a random deal. When you think about how much, how many 
birds and stuff you hit while you're driving cross country. And then you think of how many more birds, like the density of birds is greater on the water, specifically during certain times of the year. It's amazing that we don't see more of this when you actually think about it. Because, I mean, you're right at that level. You're completely exposed, especially the co-angler. Like you would think you'd see yeah. co-anglers and marshals just eating waterfowl left and right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, usually, you know, you're scaring them. Um, mm-hmm. And, and they, Back it's off. usually coming, coming towards, you know, from the front. So you, you got, you know, you got a second or two to, to react um, or even a little bit more than that, you know, but um, when you can't see them coming, I mean, it, it's just, it, it was, I mean, literally a millisecond, you know, and I must've closed my eye before the, you know, the impact, which, you know, probably could have um, probably helped helped on uh you know having anything get in the mm-hmm. eye uh, i mean i also know also sometimes they say that when you're not expecting it like a lot of car accidents you're actually less injured when it comes out of nowhere because you're relaxed and it's not you don't like tense up so it, all your muscles aren't super tense so you're more i don't know if that had anything to do with how you kind of avoided any serious structural damage or anything but it didn't get your nose at all it was just the side of your face and and i yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you could see even on my, uh, my left-hand side here mm-hmm. where the impact, like, and on the bridge of my nose where your sunglasses sit, like I was bruised right there because it hit me so hard. I was bruised right on the, mm-hmm. <laughs> right on bridge my nose. Of the nose. And, yeah. And, you know, on both sides where you could see where the sunglasses, the bottom of the frame hit me and it, it bruised my cheeks. Um, so that's, that's what kind of impact it, it had. Uh, I was thinking of some of the freak ones that come to my mind. Uh, and I remember in Florida, one of the guys hit a gator and spun him out, like completely lost it in the channel. I think, uh, Remitz had a really freak accident on the, on the uh, Mississippi river out of, I think that was out of Iowa one year. Oh um, yeah, where, where his his marshal was injured, but one of those things where he kind of lost steering and ended up in the woods, and then obviously Shin on Kentucky Lake yeah, with the bridge piling. Video. Yeah, and then were you fishing? Uh, didn't Gabe Boulevard have a freak accident happen to him? Too, where he got he got chucked out of the uh, out of the boat and had some sh- some some injuries there. I um, well. I remember gary dobbins got thrown out of the boat at uh one of the national guard events on the delta and uh fractured his back um you know that that was a bad deal too you know i mean it it can happen you know yeah, and, just I mean, freak stuff yeah i mean there's and a I difference mean, between different you know driving and inclement weather and conditions which we've seen that that sure. happens to every vessel captain but just the stuff where you did nothing wrong. You were yeah. just rolling. Yeah, I was just I was just going straight down the lake. I mean, yeah, I mean it wasn't wasn't anything that just uh, yeah, it, it, like you, you know we talked right. You can't control the uncontrollables, and uh, it was it was uncontrollable. I mean, like I I, I never never I, I don't know what to tell you. It's just it's just yeah. a freak deal. Uh I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to. I think you, I feel like you, it, it, with with everything being okay now, it looks like you're going to have your vision and you're you're still going to have the dapper good looks moving forward. Uh, I think you miss a golden opportunity 
yesterday for a Halloween costume. Yeah, I, a buddy of mine said, I want to get you a seagull costume. Yeah, well, know? no. I mean, you should have gone as Fabio. Remember when yeah, Fabio yeah. took a gold? I'm, I'm playing it right now. This is Fabio taking a gold to the face on a roller coaster. Yeah, I heard back about in the this. Day. <clears throat> I heard about this at, uh, at, uh, at the hospital. Um, it was uh, like like three of the nurses told me like, oh, you're like Fabio. And yeah. what was so funny is like that level one of trauma center, you know, I mean, they see a lot of stuff and they're like a doctor would come in or a nurse would come in and they'd be like, man, a bird strike. This one's going down in the record books. And oh, I'm they like, hadn't ha hadn't had that before. No, no, that doesn't happen every day. So I guess, you know, that, that's uh, at least I at least I got some, you know, record book deal out of the deal but i got you. i mean when the trauma one doctor tells you man this is going down the record books you're like wow this, that's kind of crazy yeah but, it's like uh, it's like i think everyone kind of goes to the er for that first hook in the hand yeah and it's either it's either i feel like the stories are either a hospital where everyone's like hey can we add this to the wall of like yeah. eight thousand hooks or it's like Everybody oh, yeah. on on deck. We have no idea. We've never seen a hook in, in a body part before. We may have to amputate. It's one or yeah. the other. Have you noticed? Yeah, that? yeah. You you go to like uh, a place like let's say the Okeechobee Hospital or something. They're like, oh yeah, no problem. We got this thing. And then you go to some random place, and they're like, uh oh, we don't we don't know what to do with this. But yeah, just just lucky man. And, and I appreciate. I mean, I got such a um awesome feedback and just thoughts and prayers from so many people and um yeah you, i mean it, it just you you realize what what a tight tight fishing community that we have in the bass world and you know um everybody kind of thinks about each other um and and you know we all try to take care of take care of each other how many uh texts and calls would you say you had over the next week uh, I mean, hundreds, yeah. hundreds and hundreds of messages on Instagram and Facebook. You know, I think I had 600 messages on Facebook and f maybe three or 400 on Instagram, something like that. I mean, it, it is interesting and it is cool to see you. you, you everyone kind of, you know, all independent contractors, you kind of live in your own bubble. You're trying to do and, and survive and provide for your family and all that. But then when something happens, you do realize it's a it's a big family. There's a lot of people that are out there that you uh, that you impact and you get to know over the years of traveling around the country. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, um, <clears throat> talk to, you know, we we talked to a lot of people over uh, a long career and, you know, like you said, whether, whether you're, you know, they're good friends or, you know, just somebody that you um, have met and impacted through your career. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I do want to get one fishing question in before I let you leave. Okay. And regardless of who I ask, you know, whenever we do the finesse fishing shows and all that, you always come up as one of the, one of the innovative guys from the West coast who brought the, drop shot into the mainstream on the uh, FLW tour and the what were they ever starts and things back then took it out east I've talked to you about it uh it, this is kind of dovetails into our next guest second half of the show we're going to have Jody White on who's going to talk about the Toyota championship going on on Table Rock uh yeah. he has uh 
he's one of the guys who's done it a lot this year, but there you've seen Jacob Wheeler. You've seen this Demiki strolling rig that's blown up with the, with the bubble deal and shit. Like that's a super finesse. To, have you like really dove into that yet? Is that like the new drop shot now? And what are your thoughts on that? Cause I mean, that seems like a bait that would be tailor made for you. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's another way to trick them. You know, it's a, it's a Japanese, you know, just a, um, really kind of mimics a bait fish, you know, and that kind of has a rolling action to it. Um, I have tried it. I haven't really been successful with it, but I mean, it, um, I know guys have been using it and, you know, it is something that's, uh, you know, it's just a, something they haven't seen, you know, you, you can, especially with forward facing sonar, you know, you're yeah. looking for any little edge, you know, I mean, you go to any smallmouth fishery and it's like how many drop shots of <laughs> zip by their face or, you know, Ned rigs or whatever, uh, Nico rigs or something like that. So it, it's just something that's, uh, just a little, you know, something different that they haven't seen that mim mimics a bait fish. And, um, you know, obviously it's, it's, uh, you know, some guys have been definitely successful with. Is that something that you're going to spend a lot more time on during this off season or something that is just part of the arsenal oh. and you're not that enthralled with it? Or will you take dedicate time to go out and be like, all right, I got to figure out this. Yeah. Movie. I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously I have a lot of, Japanese connections. Yeah. So I, I understand, you know, the, what's, uh, what the right setups are and, and things like that. And, um, you know, what, you know, it, it's a, it's a really good forward facing deal, you know, and, it, and, you know, it's, you know, for those suspended fish that are, um, normally hard to catch, you know, even with the drop shot, you know, if you don't get it right on their nose, you know, that a lot of time they're not going to see it. Um, so, I mean, this thing's going to stay kind of in that water column where, you know, the fish, whether he wants to come up for it or you get it right in the same column as him. So, um, just keep it in the strike zone a little bit longer. All right. And then one more question I had, someone wanted to know, uh, I don't know, ask, ask about the new evergreen combat stick. Yeah. New rod out. Yeah. So we have, um, we have one whole new line of rods um which um replaced the the, the eva camo gripped uh which is the original combat stick that we had in the us um you know it worked on a bunch of new actions um they're lighter you know it, it, it as you know matt like in four or five years just how um that technology and rods advance and, and i mean you can make a rod that, that performs so much better um, and pretty much keep it at the same price point. And then of course we came out with the super combat stick this year, which is a uh, kind of a, it's more of a true JDM high-end um, um, evergreen rod. And it was just in uh, um, uh, my chatterbait action, which is a seven, three heavy action rod. Um, and it's, you know, more of that, $450 price range compared to the regular combat stick is, you know, around that 220, 230 price point. So, um, I mean, it, yeah, it, the super combat stick, I mean, it, it's, it's the most ultimate jackhammer rod you could, you could have, but you know, you're going to pay a little bit more for it. 
All right, you got anything else? I just impressed we got uh 36 minutes and 24 seconds before the word chatterbait was mentioned in a Brett Hyde interview. I'd right. like to point that as probably uh our interview the record. New, new record, yeah. Yep, yeah, new record. Anything else? Uh anything else, Brett? Oh, you're a Starbucks guy. Did not see that one coming. Oh, my wife went to Starbucks. Uh-huh. What are we doing? Are you let's what's the order? Uh normally I'm just like a um americano guy but i got a vanilla latte today you know you're not doing pumps skinny additions then of that don't lie don't lie you're not like no no just 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 straight iced vanilla latte i mean i'm i i i could i could just drink regular black coffee with cream or you know that's normally my my go-to a little black rifle you know yeah, but, that's what uh, I'm rolling with. I mentioned yeah. it on the show that they sent me like 180 K cups. I was, it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's I, I mean that that's that's the coffee I drink all the time. Yep. But my wife just got a little little frisky. She got up early this morning. She had to get some work done, so you know she wanted to roll up to the to the bucks. All right. Sounds good. Well, I'm going to let you go. Uh, I'll take a break. I would also like to remind you based on the previous time you were on, I have good money. If you ever do any spring cleaning this year or anything, you come across that Imodium AD chewables Jersey. I still want that in the BTL studio. You said you, you said you, it exists somewhere, but that you weren't able to locate I have, it. I have not time. found it yet, but you, you okay. never know. If, you if, never know. if that is found, I, I would like to be the first on your call list to be able to. I, you got it if I if I find it. All right. Thanks, Brett. Right. Thanks for getting up early. Glad to hear everything uh, is okay in a really scary situation that took place at the 41st annual One Bass U.S. Open this past year. Thanks, Matt. See you. All right. That is Brett Height. We are going to take our first break of the show. And when we come back, uh, we will check in with Jody White from a very chilly table rock lake folks this is a two hundred thousand dollar plus tournament it is the toyota championship if you look at the skill level talent level from across the country i would venture to say that it is probably the hardest tournament to win especially with 200 boats uh in this deal that is going right now in in uh, competitive bass fishing so btl on a wednesday kicking off the month of november we'll be back right after this The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96-inch wide-body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry-leading design coupled with tournament-winning performance. The Puma STS from BassCat. Feel the rush. If you're a construction worker, soccer dad, soccer mom, you want to be outdoors, you've seen the Reaper. This right here is the zip-up full Reaper, but it's windproof, folks, windproof. And it actually has the mass built in. It's behind me. I mean, if you can look good and feel good and stay warm, you better check it out. It's the zip-up Reaper. That's right, windproof. 
I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips, so if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing, from household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. Shoreline Boat and RV, dock rash, storm damage, collision repair, that deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek. Shoreline Boat and RV can get your prize possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water, fast. All repairs are done in-house, so they're able to get your boat or RV back to brand new, quickly. All Shoreline's work comes with a rock-solid warranty. Find out more at ShorelineBoatAndRV.com, Kansas City, Austin, and Tulsa. We are back, BTL, on a Wednesday. would like to remind everybody, I talked about it on yesterday's show, there is a link in the bio, uh, a link in the show description on YouTube, the Bass Talk Live YouTube, uh, my title sponsor for the last three years and going forward into the 2024 Bassmaster Open EQs is Best on Tour, uh, weekly industry newsletter that goes directly to your inbox they don't send you a bunch of other stuff or anything like that you just go to bestontour.net to sign up for that if you listen to btl uh if you support btl a fan of the show you need to go to bestontour.net and sign up for this massive help uh they're also doing a understanding angler performance survey the link to this survey it takes less than a minute it's 10 quick questions uh Click on the link, fill that out, do me a favor, support Best on Tour. Allows me to go out and catch more 12-pound limits next year. So big shout out to that. All right, let's get to uh, our next guest, uh, Bassmaster Open champion and all things MLF. And I think he's on like a 19-tournament win streak. No, I think you fished one that you didn't win recently, didn't you, Jody? Yeah, Gino and I finished second in the last one. So okay, uh, way downhill, terrible. Season. Yeah, it's yes, it kind of kind of derailed the whole season there with that uh, that runner up finish. Uh, Jody White, are you? It looks, I would assume, unless you live in a days in, that you are on location at. <laughs> I mean, not, nothing against you if you do. Different strokes for different folks, but it is appears as though you are in a very chilly Missouri right now, uh, preparing to cover the. Uh, Toyota Series Championship on a frosty Table Rock Lake. Yeah, I can. Uh, I can actually see the lake right now, or well, when I look at it, and um, it's. Uh, I can see it now, which is a cool thing. Earlier, there was a lot of fog. I think that there's a very good chance we don't fish like any full days. <laughs> I've talked to several anglers who said that they might not even show up to the boat ramp until around eight. Yeah, I mean, that would be taking a little bit of a chance, but honestly, it might work out for them because it's uh, 
it was like 19 degrees this morning. I think it's going to be quite a bit warmer during the tournament, but it's still going to be like in the 30s or 40s every morning and then getting up into the 60s or so and 50s by the end of the day, which will be really nice, honestly, at weigh-in, but it's not going to be super fun early. Okay, was I incorrect? And I know you work for MLF, so you're going to agree with this. But do you know, because I have it written here, it'll take me forever. This has to be the best bang for your buck as far as payout for performance that exists right now in competitive bass fishing. Like, oh, absolutely. It, it, this, is, this thing is a... This thing is unreal. Like the only thing that I could think of that used to do this was remember the TBF national champion back in the day used to get like all their entry fees paid for plus a hundred grand yeah, plus a boat and a truck and all their expenses paid on tour and all that stuff. But that doesn't exist anymore. But the Toyota series, as far as this championship right here and the roughly 200 guys that are in it are fishing for some major simoleons. Yeah. I remember, I think back in the winter, you had someone on who talked about like the various payout percentages of all the different tours and the Toyota series is like, it's solid. It's fine. And then you count the championship and it's like a real separator. Um, and the Toyota series, like if you have a good year and you make the championship, it's a free event and it pays out really well, like 200 plus whatever contingency stuff you have is huge for the winner. They also qualify for Red Crest. If you're the top finisher from like any division, you get like an extra 10 grand just on top of whatever you win or don't win. You know, there's sometimes mm -hmm. where the Western division guy or an international division guy, they might not even get a check, but they might walk away with 10 grand for being the top finisher in that division. So it's a, uh, it's a really it's a really cool tournament. I love yeah. Toyota Series events and I love this tournament. It's probably so, one of my three favorite tournaments of the year that we run. Hypothetically, let's say you run a Phoenix and you have all of your ducks in a row as far as incentives, right? Just this is ballpark. Yeah. And you pop this one. You get all the glory, honor, and prestige that goes along with being a Toyota series champion. But then you also get two hundred K. What's the additional Phoenix money on that then? So it's 200 plus 35. So you'd be at 235. And then plus, you, if you won the division, that'd be another 10. Well, we changed that this year. It used to be first place could also win the division bonus. Now we give it to the person below. Uh, first I got gotcha. you. Okay. So that, but you do make Red Crest, which is 10. Yeah. So which 245. And I would guess at the minimum, maybe you do better, right? Yeah. Um, and then, like, if you, you know, depending on the motor you run or something like that, like, if you're running a Mercury, I'm sure there's money there. It's I, a quarter million. It's the third highest payout yeah. outside <laughs> of Red Crest and the fish, Classic. It's huge, and you have to fish uh, maybe only two events, because if you win one, you just straight qualify in. But certainly, like, at most, three events to, to make it, realistically. Uh. Big names that we need to be watching out for on Table Rock. You're doing a lot of the coverage and stories uh, for this tournament. Kind of break down what we're expecting. I know there's been a massive cold front there. What are we looking at? What kind of patterns? And who, who should we be on the lookout for? So I, I think that the two patterns are 
somebody who fishes pretty shallow, right? Maybe it's a dock thing. Maybe it's a brush pile thing. Maybe it's just a plopper on the bank. Maybe it's way up a river, right? And I think that, you know, five years ago, that was the odds on favorite to win. Right now, I think the odds on favorite to win is somebody who fishes probably pretty deep to very deep uh, and does a lot of scoping. Um, although I've heard there's like a glide bait bite happening, which I guess that would count as shallow and would be super dope. Um, but anyway, I think that it's probably pretty scope heavy, uh, which is right up my alley. Although, you know, I know other people's mileage may vary on that. <laughs> Uh, and, and that being the case, I think that like a number one, as far as favorites go is Cody Huff. He yep. really built his year around fishing this tournament and making sure he could get there. You know, he's an elite series pro. He's also won two Toyota series events. He is, he won them both scoping. He is like experienced on the lake and one of the best live scopers alive. And then you can just go down the list and just every division has like five guys. Dude, this are, is the first time I've looked at it. It's absolutely insane. Oh, every division has like five guys who are awesome at scoping. And then like another five or 10 guys who are just awesome at fishing. Like the Northern division has Marshall Robinson in it, who is like 19 years old. Maybe he's 20 now and he's incredible at it. It's also got Kyle Hall and Nick Hatfield, you know, if you mm -hmm. look in like the plains division, it's got Cole Breeden. It's got Dennis Bearhorst, who's like an Ozarks legend. And then like Harlan and Harriman, Jelinek, like there's just Jake Lawrence. Like it, you could put like 50 guys together and be like, I got the list right here. To win the I'm starting from the bottom up. I mean, starting on the wildcard division, dude, you got Spencer Sheffield, who's. I mean, how if it's a scope deal, if it's an Ozark deal, you got Jeff Reynolds, Britt Myers, Tristan McCormick, Andrew Loberg, one of the top young West Coast anglers, Chris Jones out of Oklahoma. Like you said, Cody Huff. I, I mean, I'm going to miss some, but I mean, I'm doing a lot of name recognition too. Brett Chapman. You got Bobby Lane, Justin Lucas, Todd Castledine, Dakota Eber, Ish Monroe, Nick Salvucci, U.S. Open champ. I mean, dude, I just named a, a couple of them that are in this this tournament right now. Yeah, like whichever direction you start on the field list, you started at the bottom. I started at the at yeah. the uh, at the top. Like, it is incredible how many really good anglers there are. Like, whoever wins this thing, super earned it. Like, there are there are a lot of tournaments where you have maybe ten guys who are super well suited to a place, and then maybe ten locals, right? Mm -hmm. And this tournament has probably. 30 guys who are really well suited to it plus 30 locals. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be a really, really good tournament, I think. Um, and I hope it stays really close. Cause one thing that's different this year is the top 25 fish the last day, um, which usually it's the top 10 in the Toyota series. Yep. And uh, at the championship anyway. And if it stays really close, I, I think there's a potential for like us to have, you know, legitimately, you know, 10 or more people like realistically in the hunt. And I know Table Rock has some big fish in it. Like you can pop a big bag. Um, I wouldn't say it's extremely, extremely likely because it sounds like it's fishing kind of tough, but it'd be, uh, it'd be, it, it should be a really good tournament.
Uh, total weight wise, then like fifteen to eighteen a day, or I know Table Rock can also pump out twenty, but the guys I've talked to said it's a weird. It's a little like you mentioned. It's a transition period. The water hasn't really cooled off as quickly as I guess he thought it would. You've seen the pictures of Bobby Lane's graphs frozen solid and all sorts of stuff like that. But I mean, water temp, we're still in the upper 50s, low 60s out there, aren't we? Yeah, and it's a deep lake too. So it's not like the water temperature is going to crash, you know? Um, but uh, I got to think that like 15 pounds is going to be really good. I think 18 a day probably wins. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like it just seems unlikely that someone would average 20 a day here, even though we're in a brave new world when it comes to techniques and stuff like that. I just, it, it just seems like I haven't seen it happen before here necessarily uh, this yeah. time of year. And I think that that 17, 18 pound range is going to be extremely, extremely good. Yeah. I wouldn't want to bet against Dakota Ebear anyway, either. Um, or Justin. Like, yeah. No, that, this is insane. Said, I still got to, I still got to call Cody Huff today and he might be like, Oh yeah, they're right where I want them. And then I'll tell you, it's going to take 20 a day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's tip. So typically when it gets really cold out there, the fish get set up and they don't really move for a couple months. They chase the bait, but they'll stay in the same general area. And once you find them and you know this, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but once you find them, it's just a matter of, hey, is this a two and a half pound spot, a three and a quarter pound smallmouth? I mean, go back to, you know, we just had uh, to how the U.S. the US, Johnny Morris U.S. Open uh, was one. And like you can get on a pretty good school of fish on bait. And we've seen how dominant Cody Huff can be with the jigging spoon, with the Demiki rig, with that, with the ice fishing deal. I mean, once you figure that out, it's like get there, mill around and don't freak out. And at some point during the day, you're going to have five over three, eat your stuff. I don't think it's like that this time around because of the warmer weather. I think so. And one of the things about that warmer weather is, you know, like the warmer, the water temperature to a degree, the more fish like move, like the faster yeah. they move, right? Like when you're, when you're dealing with water, that's like legitimately in the forties and low fifties, like, a lot of times the fish don't really move that fast. And here from what I have like been able to gather is some, a lot of those deep fish, the scope fish are, they're very deep, you know, they're like 30 to 60 feet down. And then they're also moving really fast. And like on Champlain, our alewife feeders, you know, they might be moving really fast, but generally speaking, they're like, between zero feet down and 30 feet down, right? They're not mostly extremely far down in the water column. Here you have fish that are pretty deep and moving pretty fast, which like adds a really a level of difficulty mm -hmm. um, to hit them with a lighter bait. And I think that the locals around here are probably the guys who are really experienced with heavier baits, you know, like, actually hitting them with a three quarter ounce Demiki or a uh, jig and rock wrap or something like that. And that's not, uh, that's not something that like a broad part of the country has a lot of experience in. So I, I think that'll be something interesting to watch to like see exactly where in the water column guys are catching their scope fish just because, you know, we've, we've even seen like when Huff won here, I think it was 2020. Um, 
he caught them deep like the first two days. And then the last day he caught like mostly small amount and they were like 10 feet down. And so, you know, we could see all of that, but we could also, you know, see really a section of the water column be the hot section. And mm -hmm. I think that like how deep it is and how difficult those fish are to target could really like make the cream rise to the top. Uh, people who want to follow this for the next, uh, today's an off day. They've been practicing for what, three yep. days. Today's an off day. I assume you have the meeting, take care of all the logistics. And then they take off from the state park tomorrow. Uh, three day yep. tournament cut to the top, what top 10 on final day top or each division, top 25, make yeah. sure you get guy, all the guys at each division, uh, and follow just along on majorleaguefishing.com. Any live stuff for this, or is it just Jody white articles this week is what we're gifted with. Uh, it's articles. We've got uh, four folks out here taking photos. They'll do okay. a fantastic job. Uh, they're going to make a TV show out of it on the final day, uh, but not live. Uh, Wayne will be live, obviously, like usual, but you know, mostly uh, I think folks will be reading what I write and uh, hopefully looking at a lot of really good pictures because it's very scenic here right now, and uh, I've got a really top-level crew at this one. Uh, I'm looking up the weather one second. I'm just looking up spring. Oh, you guys will get a great. You guys will have amazing picture taking and tournament coverage weather from your oh, end. You got 62, 66, <laughs> oh, and 67, and 70. Yeah. Yeah. A little chilly. A little on the chilly side. But uh, at night, 38, 45, and 52. But nothing like the 20s that we saw. Nothing like the 20s that we saw during practice. Yeah. The weather is going to be a lot better during the tournament than it was in practice. Um I don't know if that'll matter to the fish or not, but it's certainly make it more comfortable for everyone here. Yeah. I would like to see it come down to a scope versus plopper showdown between two guys. One guy exclusively scoping, one guy exclusively ploppering. That is a possibility here. You don't get that very often. It's a real possibility. And I mean, you look at the field and there's guys who could do that. I mean, Jeremy Lawyer's in this field, and he could do either one of those things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, how do we not mention um, him? And, like, it's, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a tournament where you have a chance to have a real old-school versus new-school clash, which would be pretty fun. All right, anything else uh, we need to get in here before I let you go? I know you're actually working on articles as we speak and carved out some time uh, to jump on BTL, which is much appreciated. Um, uh, One thing I would mention, which is not really work-related or anything, but – some folks know I have been working a lot to keep herbicide out of one of my favorite local lakes. We have a new organization called uh, the Lake Bomazine Environmental Alliance, which is uh, basically just open for membership as of this morning. Um, it's uh, lakebomazine.org. How do you spell that? Uh, L-A-K-E-B-O-M-O-S-E-E-N.org. E O N. B O M O S E E N. Um, okay, sorry. And, uh, I, I, no, I just make sure that I'm trying to pull it up so I can throw it up. So, Lake Bonazine. Oh, yeah. Dot org. Dot org. Yep. Um, but anyway, we're open for membership today, and we're going to do our best to make sure that there it is. Beautiful. We're going to do our best to make sure that Vermont's best lake stays that way uh, for a long time and it's right. 10 bucks to become a member um i would love to see uh 
I'd love to see a national level of membership for it just because uh, it's something we work really hard on. Um, and is this a deal where it's a kick-ass lake that. and they're spraying it and this is a group saying, hey, stop spraying this? Well, they're actually not spraying it yet. They did want to, um, but we stopped them. And uh, they might want to again, and we're going to stop them again. Um, For 10 bucks. And uh, it's a pretty incredible lake. It's got six pound smallmouth, eight pound largemouth. Like it's legitimately, it's a gem. Um, and uh, we want to keep it like that for a long time. Lake Bomazine, B-O-M-O-S-E-E-N dot O-R-G for more information about this. Thank you You're so kind much. Of, are you kind of spearheading this? Uh, I'm one of the people who's spearheading it. I'm the secretary of the organization. Um, we have a board of, you know, a couple of bass fishermen and a lot of folks who just really love the lake. Uh, you know, some science teachers, uh, librarians, uh, a bait shop owner, like you name it, we've got it. There you go. Check that out regardless of where you live. Hey, anything that has environmental angler friendly stuff like that it's talked about far less than it should be mainly because it's not thrilling and exciting to talk about and that's the struggle with uh i know gene gilliland will say that with bass as well i just say that because he's a, been on the show a lot and, and i'm sure over at mlf it's the same conservation wise oh, yeah. there super important hard to get eyeballs hard to get people to activate it's it's hard to get views on it i mean I can, and so I'm sure your listeners are just leaving in droves right now, but I can uh, put, <laughs> like, I can put a, a nice photo and a caption about the lake uh, and some sort of environmental effort up on Instagram, and you'll pull, like, 50 or 100 likes or whatever, mm -hmm. and then I can put a picture of me with a fish or some other guy with a fish, and, you know, it'll do three or four times that, and it's like, well, there you go, uh, and it's just kind of a... Uh, it's just kind of part of the fight, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. There's some comments in the, is it no classic for you when you won your open, you didn't fish all no. three. So you just got the 50 K cash basically. Yep. Which isn't Which, a bad uh, a great consolation. consolation prize, uh, but the classic would be super cool. All right. What are you fishing next year? You figured that out yet? Man, I got to kind of work through the schedule a little bit nothing really lines up well for me. What I really want to do is fish the Toyota series, honestly, because I love the Northern division, mm -hmm. but I work here and I can't yeah, fish those events. Yeah. Uh, so I'm probably going to end up fishing like a bunch of ABAs and local stuff and just kind of whatever I can get in around the house because I don't really want to drive that far. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, the fishing is so good close by. It's hard to, you know, not catch them. No, no um, BS. I'm asking this question. So don't be humble about it. How many tournaments from local all the way up to the open did you win this year in 2023? Uh, I did make a little list. Let me real quickly count. Um, Cause it, it seemed like every time I opened up social media, you'd be like fortunate enough to catch these two eight pound Northern strain. It has to be over 15. Between everything, between ABAs, what'd you win? Three ABAs this year? I did win three ABAs this year. I, An so open. I, won, I fished 19 tournaments this year, whether a counting Tuesday nighter to 
you know, anything else. And I won 11 tournaments this year. Good Lord. So it was a really good season. <laughs> all doing the same thing? Like, did you figure out something mis magical mystery thing? Or did you catch them all doing different, a lot of them doing different stuff? Well, so I won some Lake Tarpon Tuesday nighters with my buddy uh, in Florida. And that was definitely not doing Jody things. Um, and honestly, like, there's a handful of them where I'm like, this was in my wheelhouse. I called them, you know, X, Y, Z. But like the Oneida one, I literally, the Oneida ABA, I literally, I caught one on a popper and I caught the one on a drop shot and I caught the rest dragging a jig, like exactly what everyone else does on Oneida. Um, so like, it was kind of a combo. I mean, some of it was just fishing normal ways. Some of it was, you know, doing a lot of scoping. Like it was, I caught him a lot of ways this year. Like it was a wildly good year of fishing, uh, which is a blast. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's not like I fished really well just throughout. It's not like I was able to carry a secret technique just to every corner of, uh, my life and mm -hmm. have success with it. I believe October 14th through 16th is the U S open on Mojave. Dude, you talk about doing Jody things. That's like, that needs to be on your list this year. If, if you're available for that derb, Dude, I have wanted to fish that tournament for so long. Um, I really think the first time I fish it, I want to fish it as a co-angler just cause it's a long way away and it looks super cool. Um, and I think if I got my feet wet and if it kept, like, I think eventually it was something I would love to fish as a boater. It's obviously just a long way away. Uh, but co-angler, you find someone, if you want to do that, you find someone who's going out there, drive you put your them. tackle or you yeah. either drive with them. Like I did with Hallman in 18, or you send your tackle with them and then you fly out there. Yeah, no, that's, that would be the way to do it. Um, and like, the problem is there's not too many guys going from the Northeast. You know, we're about as far as away as it possibly is. Yeah. But there's definitely a scenario where I find my way out there uh, in the fall some year. Uh, Cause it's a bucket list kind of tournament. The fact that it's open that like, you know, to qualify for, you know, the, the cup, the classic red crest, stuff like that. Like you have to qualify. Right. And you have to have, well, one, you have to, be good enough to qualify but two yeah. you like have to have time to devote to all that the u.s open the fact that like i could just hop in a tournament of that caliber is really pretty cool um and it's something that i would like to fish someday for sure all right anything else before i let you go like i said greatly appreciate the time i know that you uh you're busy working on uh articles and stuff for uh major league fishing so no, nah, man, I'm all good. Uh, MajorLeagueFishing.com for the uh, tournament, and thanks for letting me get on my soapbox about weeds. Lake Bonamon? Boomerman? Bomazine. B-O-M-O-S-E-E-N. Bomazine. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I'm On my Instagram, that. I've got a link to it, like, right there, if people have a hard time or something like that. <laughs> like me? <laughs> Theoretically. All right. Thanks, Jody. I appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks, man. All right. See ya. All right. That is Jody. We're going to take our final break of the show uh, when we come back, talk about what we have going on for the rest of the week, guest contest, uh, things you can win, stuff like that. 
BTL on a Wednesday. We'll be back right after this. Elite Series Pro, Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polnick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. The great thing about the new Sensation Soft Plastics from Big Bite Baits, heavily scented, super soft, buoyant, comes in seven great new shapes. I've got a couple of them of my signature series, the Cliffhanger Worm and the Ramtail Craw. Great for a flipping jig, football jig, swim jig, all that. Several other great shapes. Really excited about it. We've worked over the last year. Catches fish all over the country, and I think it's going to catch fish for people everywhere you try it. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro is coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the Matte Sexy Shad, just a really different looking color for a crankbait. So you wanna give them a little different look, that Matte Sexy Shad is definitely the one to go with. All these colors are available in the original Little John and the MD. Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success in my opinion. In the last couple years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now the casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is going to handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. All right, big shout out to today's guest, Brett Height, talking about a scary incident, hitting a bird at 65 miles an hour at the U.S. Open. Uh, and then Jody White talking about what's going on at Table Rock Lake this week for the Toyota Series Championship. Uh, today is the last day that if you uh, carved a pumpkin, a fishing-related, BTL, Day 4-related pumpkin. You can either tag us on uh, Uncle Frank here, Frank Scalish, or myself, at Matt Pangrak, on Instagram. 
You can also email me that. We have a lot of submissions that Uncle Frank is going to have to go through today before the show tomorrow. Winner, two winners, a uh, set of DD22s and a set of Norman Fat Boys tomorrow. Uh, Uncle Frank is back. Same place, same time. Day four with Uncle Frank at 8.30. And then uh, a full, well, no, next week. We're going to have some recorded shows. I'll be in uh, Table Rock. We're going to have some live shows from Table Rock. I'm actually fishing Table Rock the week after uh, the to Toyota series. And then I head to uh, St. Jude on the 13th and 14th to uh, to look at that uh, amazing uh, facility and meet a lot of those people in Memphis, Tennessee. But that's all we got for today. Uncle Frank, tomorrow, don't forget, fill out the uh, Angler Behavior Survey. Links in the bio. We'll talk to everybody on Thursday. See ya.